0: As I sit and record this intro, one of this week's guests, Colin, who is back for the second time, is in northern Queensland attending a tribal session with multiple tribes, which he talks about at the start of this podcast. It's very important we understand how the indigenous people are coming together with multiple tribes and multiple understandings. It's very important because those guys getting along moves us forward. And makes me see a place where we could all could maybe get along. We also welcome a new guest this week, Marcus McBain. I'm doing some work with Marcus behind the scenes that will develop over the next few months. However, Colin's first podcast uh, was very provocative. And there's a few questions we had uh, for him, myself, and Marcus to get answers on. Because it's important to discuss these things and, and clarify perspectives and understandings. And I really enjoy sitting down with Colin. He's very energetic and he's very knowledgeable and he's definitely on his own path. Some of the things he says, matter of factly, really bump against a lot of the ideas that have come before. And he's very sure of them. And he has the evidence to back them up. And I look forward to working with him a little bit more in the future. I wanted to give a special shout out to Jesse and the fellow coders down in Victoria. Jesse was kind enough to get in touch with me and give me a lead. And I really appreciate that there is a bunch of guys down there who listen to the podcast and appreciate your time you have inspired me to look again into merch i don't have the patreon page back up again i'm however that'll come to you all soon i don't have too much more i'm going to use the opening song for this one's going to be demons in my mind with by rowdy i'm going to use that song because i think it's applicable to a lot of us at the moment it's an interesting time where we're facing new things and We're in cycles of time and and cosmological cycles that won't be repeated for a thousand years and we are still in the depths of the prophetic time which began last year. And maybe the ongoing effects of that and the realization of that as it continues to unfold weighs heavy on those of us that are aware. Sometimes it can be hard to see a way forward. However, understand it is always there. And we cannot give in to the demons in our mind. Don't forget that you can start again and you can refocus, readjust and re-engage. Thanks guys. We'll talk soon. Cheers.
1: i Out.
2: Back, it's my great pleasure tonight to welcome Colin back to the podcast. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you.
3: Greetings, blessings to uh, all our listeners,
2: absolutely. And uh, we welcome uh, a good friend of mine and someone I'm doing some work with, Marcus McBain. How are you, mate? I'm very good. Thanks for joining good? us, man. Yeah, you're coming from WA, aren't you? Yep,
4: the other side of Australia. Yep, yeah, exactly so over there in a- Next couple of weeks.
2: Yes, you're coming over. You're coming over. We're going to do some stuff. We'll talk about that a bit later. Uh, But I wanted to get you boys together uh, to just have a bit of a roundtable discussion. As I said, Colin, your podcast, mate, has been very provocative. A lot of people love it. There's some very, very interesting things you said in that podcast about Gosford and Bambara, and there's some very things, and I I wanted to come back and, and have a bit of a conversation about that. I know Marcus has got onto your work as well, the podcast and some of your videos that you've done, and uh, we just want to have a discussion, mate. Uh, I suppose before we get started, I did want you to share, because you off, you're off you are on a bit of a trip, mate. You're off on an important meeting for, oh, in the yeah. next week or yeah, so. Very,
3: very much so, yeah. I'm uh, leaving uh, to head to uh, far north, and uh, so I'm arriving in Townsville to head out to sea to Palm Island, where there a very important gathering is taking place. And uh, and what's happening there is uh, Palm Island uh, uh, can be remembered as uh, the last mission uh, place set up where the uh, local indigenous, or well, not just local indigenous, but indigenous from all over were sent to Palm Island uh, as an Aboriginal reserve um, caged in, as it were, you know? And uh, so uh, the population making up the, Tens of thousands that are there today on Palm Island. It's quite a big population, but uh, they're made up of over 100 different tribes. And uh, so they come from places like the Gomeroy in Sydney's west and um, even the, the Urugal from uh, out Brisbane's west. You know, they come from all over Australia and they were dumped together there all in that one place, mm. all speaking different languages, all carrying completely different uh, ideas of culture. And uh, so you can imagine the chaos that would have caused back then in the day, you know. So here we are a hundred years later and uh, those tribes have uh, over that time, uh, you know, <coughs> uh, managed now to unite as one. <clears throat> now, so what that means is a great deal of their business was done um, uh, on the mainland by a, uh, a corporation who managed their budgets, uh, plans and so on, you know, for uh, for the society and and, uh, and even building and so on, uh, funding, et cetera, these sorts of things. Uh, so now with the uniting of all the tribes coming together as one, uh, uh, what the, that leads to now is that uh, uh, they'll be uh, uh, managing their own business. And that's, well, that's a big important. thing, you know, you can imagine important. somebody it is, yeah. Yeah. No, just, yeah, yeah, that's very important. Organizing your business.
2: Yeah, mm. absolutely. It's very yes. important, mate. And 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 I think that's something you, you mentioned something there that's not very well known. It's something we have spoken about a little bit, is that they split the tribes up. They took the ones from the desert and put them by the ocean. They took the ones from the ocean and put them in the desert. Uh, and Did? they 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 dumped these tribes together in places. Mm. And these are tribes that may have never seen each other. They say different language, different ideas of culture different understandings yeah. uh, and look the fact that over the course of time and it's not that long amount of time if you think about <laughs> it either that they've, uh, they've not, managed no. they managed to find a place yeah. to to get along and uh, to yeah. move forward as one people that's that's really impressive mate so you're going up there to, is, yeah. to do some speaking and to share some knowledge well i am
3: uh, greatly it's a uniting and uh, and of course uh uh you know, myself, I'm a foundation member of the Mirrabooka, which is a panel placed together by the Elders of the Sovereign United Nations of Australia. And uh, so the Mirrabooka, once again, is a panel uh, of, um, of seniors like myself, and uh, each has a, a skill. And uh, so it becomes our responsibility uh, serving the uh, wants of those Elders for particular tasks that we need to do within country. So another like myself upon the Mirabuka would be a teacher of law, L-O-R-E, another of law, L-O-W. Yes. And another perhaps of of agriculture and medicines and so on. And, of course, my responsibility is a big one. Uh, My responsibility takes in uh, walking on many lands, not just one land, but walking on many lands. And my uh, objective is to uh, use the skills that I have to reconnect much of the near lost part on stories and knowledge. I say near lost, you know, those things are interrupted. They were totally lost. Just seek those out in country uh, through uh, sharing around sacred fires up and down the East Coast, but also of course, my special skill. And my special skill is I'm a specialist in paleographics. So paleographics is the reading of the world's most ancient text and symbols to which I mastered a good number of different written languages, but taught by my elders in uh, in the elders, seniors, traditional artists around Australia, taught by those for the purpose to be able to read pictogram. So writing has uh, yeah, a number of... Um, uh, a variance to it in the way that uh, picture pictogram is talking out from paints on walls. We could say that, you know, yep. and then of course, comes things like ideogram where a, a, a symbol might mean a, an entire word, you know, mm. a phrase. And one uh, question, course, one
2: question I had about, there, mate, one, one question I had yeah. there with your, yeah. as you say, you're walking across many lands uh, as far as indigenous tribes and stuff like that. Is there differences yeah. in the artwork? Is there differences in the painting? Is there differences in the symbology, or is there stuff that echoes through uh, through all the, no. the ones you've seen? A, a,
3: lot, a lot echoes through. Yes, a lot does. Uh, you could say style, you know, for example. Uh, but uh, when we look at things like carvings, you know, uh, you know, on the central coast, you know, they were far advanced than any 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 of the mobs anywhere around the country, you know some of the stuff they did would equal pretty close to, you know, what a Greek artist might have done in his day. Mm. Um, Why do you think that is, mate? That do you think, other-
2: what do you think that is, the stuff on the central <laughs> coast? Because, I mean, obviously I know Marcus wants to talk to you about carry-on. Uh, however, mm. th- you are right. I mean, it, it, what I've been looking into since we last spoke is is the number of different carvings, not just obviously there's the Egyptian hieroglyphs of carry-on, but there's a lot of stuff up and down the east coast that seems to be revealing itself. A lot of it I've seen mm. through your work um, what yeah. do you think that is did, did, did they have a skill set that they learned were they taught you know what why did they yeah. was it so different uh, well,
3: well they're uh, around that district uh, the district of Bambara which takes in you know uh, Broken Bay all, all those air, all those shores around Broken Bay so that's uh, new, south of Newcastle to say north of uh, North Sydney yeah, the suburbs of North Sydney. But that area there, the Bambara, see, was Mm -hmm. a land that was kept open and it was kept open for teaching as well as it was initiation. Many initiations were done there. Mm. And we know very well, of course, that the Tamil Indian um, visited there regularly. Mm. And uh, so I think the difference there when it comes to their advanced carving might have been an influence from those foreign peoples. Yeah, Uh, the 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 Egyptians included in
2: that, mate, as well, do you think?
3: Well, the Egyptians didn't exist yet then. Yeah? You're uh, Egypt prior. has been there for a long time. You know, like, mm. uh, Signs of uh, society in Egypt go back 40,000 years. Mm. But the Egypt that we know today, of course, you know, that didn't uh, eventuate until the year 3142 BC. That's another story. Uh, but uh, so this... Uh, uh, influence that uh, affected um, the east coast before that period was no, not the Egyptians. It was no doubt the definitely the Indians. Yeah, and uh, and of course when we see their carvings there, you know they were masters of it. You know,
2: oh the Indian and stuff, uh, the Indian stuff's next level. The stone <laughs> chains and the, the the temples carved out of a single block of stone, and yeah. it's it, you yeah. can't even fathom it. I, India doesn't get its yeah. due either. I don't think. I don't think India nope. is, is shown enough. Not at all. To be part Not of that megalithic just, culture, mate.
3: Right? That's right. Just like in Australia, the weight went down, you know. And this is how colonization works, you know, is uh, those things were left out, you know, mm. <laughs> suppressed. Mm. You know, as as schoolboys, we weren't to know how grand they were, you know. Mm. And uh, but you, yeah, but you do you
2: think know. the Egyptians came here for a, a, over a period of time during their kingdom. To
3: no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. no doubt about it. Um, of course, it all began in that year, 3142 BC. Yeah, that was the important year. That was the big climax. <clears throat> and, of course, just to rehash some of the things I've spoken of before, what happened was, again, it was India. They they started it in the way that uh, they tell it that they seen in their uh, night view that the North Polar Star uh, was shifting from its axis, the spinning axis of Earth, you know, which mm-hmm. they used to navigate. They didn't use compasses then. It was all done no, you used, well,
2: we also didn't have lights either, mate. They used the stars because <laughs> yeah. they were bloody bright. You know what I mean? That's that's yeah. how they used to get around. That's
3: right, yeah. So when it was seen that the uh, the North Polar Star, TUTMUR uh, would have been called then, T-U-T-M-U-R, I think. Google checked that. But uh, when it was seen to be moving off its north um, spinning axis, uh, to them that was a great uh, tragedy in the way that it was pretty obvious what would happen. Any navigation now back to their land in the south, and uh, they, which they honoured greatly, they called Ku-Mari. Uh, mm-hmm. Ku meaning south, Mari, the, the name of the great mother, which is nature that we call her here too, by the same name. Mm-hmm. So they were going to be cut off. you know. So they sought a solution. Uh, so they seen this time as the cycle of chaos now would descend on earth. Mm. and the veil would fall over the eyes of man as he'd be cut off from original teaching.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: So what they did was they came here back to the east coast again. So on this occasion they did something remarkable. They took from there one named Chief Manet, who comes to us through the Garingi passed down stories. So yeah, we, talk, we, talked, about, we
2: talked about Manet it's last time, didn't we? We talked about Manet yeah. last time. They came and yeah. picked and him up and key. took him back. Yeah.
3: Yeah, he yeah. he's the key. You'd be amazed at that this man how far he goes. Mm. But uh but his, his early beginnings, he, he first starts off the story as uh, mentioned once again in the passed down stories of the Garingai. So there he's told of as the great chief and magi. Now, not all chiefs were magis. Now that was uh, uh you know something uh, unique. Yeah, and uh but in he in his time, what he was famous for got uh, was many things but one of the things he was famous for was in his place there in the bambara where the, the te- egyptian texts are today so in that very place there using his magi he created a second dimension so he made a place there bringing heaven to earth and what he did was he copied the night view in the sky and uh, and in circles, he carved that all around the sacred Bambara forest. Yes. And that's what we see on the floor there today. If anybody's ever investigating, you know. Mhm, mhm. And uh, so he brought. Hey, Colin, just, down just, just, earth.
2: just, yeah, just, just a sec, Colin. With those, with those uh, round circles, with that are, that are carved into the rock around there, is that something they would have done mm-hmm. up and down the east coast? Do you think? Because I've got a site uh, no. just outside here in Queensland yeah. that's got a lot of yeah. those carvings that sit, Mm -hmm. it's there's where the imprint is that I've found, and there's a lot of these carvings that sit in that rock face that don't make a lot of sense. Mm. One of the things I do want to Mm -hmm. do is actually go there at night and see if we can get a reflection. Um, Do you think that that would be something they did? Uh,
3: (coughs) Well, it could be worthwhile to pursue that as an idea, yeah. Uh, Keep Mm. in mind that Earth's tilt changes the night sky view. Yeah, true. And, uh, so the night sky view in the year 3142 BC is different to what we see today. Yeah, precession um, of the equinox um, and
2: stuff like that.
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah Those same stars yeah. come over our horizon and it's still daylight here. We don't see those first initial yeah, stars. True. They're, true. They're above so do you our head? think
4: this has has been um, the the glyphs have been inscribed there before the shift or after the shift?
3: Uh, after the shift, they came several hundred years later in the year 2566 BC, fourth dynasty, reign of Khufu. And they would be
4: based off the southern cross, wouldn't they? Rather than the pole star. Um, not being able to, to see it
3: off, from there. Uh, how do you mean based off?
4: The Egyptian designs of temples and, 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 mm. and, and places are always lined up to the, um, the north star, the pole star. Yeah. Uh, good, good question.
3: Yeah. Uh, they, the, the, the site there at Bambara, the furrow that runs between the walls actually runs along a line called the Northwest Line. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is the Northwest Line was a sacred line that pointed to that North Star. And yeah. keep in mind, they wouldn't have seen that from they here. They wouldn't been able to see it, yeah. No,
4: <laughs> but they still knew the access of Earth as, as it spun, you know.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: So the and opposite uh, side of that should have line, uh, lined up to the um, southern.
3: Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and what's also interesting is that. Uh, well, actually, no, it wouldn't, would it? Because it's northwest. Um, so yeah, it's, so yeah, so yeah.
2: yeah. 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 So but it's, it's it was, sort of going. It was
3: about yeah. that. It, it was about uh, if you can imagine the sun coming at that line, the, the sun interacted with it at an exact right angle. Mm, That's what it was about.
4: Mm-hmm. That, summer solstice, exactly, maybe.
3: yeah, yeah, uh, and summer was very important because uh, that was initiation day. It was the 23rd of December, Christmas if you like, and at mm-hmm. that time a king would be born. So, so that was a good question mark, yeah, because once again, it, the, all those things that we see there—the glyphs, Lion Island, the tomb—because there's a tomb as well. It's not just the glyphs; there's a tomb further up. Yeah and then all those wonderful statues that you may perhaps have seen me uh, bring to light recently that washed up on the coast uh, just south of there. Yeah all some of, of that stuff was
2: insane Colin. Line. Yeah insane look, isn't it? Yeah I, I implore everyone to go to Colin's page go and see Colin's page the the, the, the yeah. carvings that he's actually shown recently over the last little while blew my mind mate. I mean stunning. 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 Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah. so that northwest line what's important about it is that when it was created, it was set to earth's tilt of that day. Where that comes in useful is this. Uh, the Buddhists, for example, were asked, why do they build all their sacred things on a northwest line? And the Buddhist of today answered, uh, very honestly, well, we don't really know. The answer has been long since cut off. All we know is by doing this is we're imitating the home of God interesting isn't it so mm. now watch this when when they build to the northwest line earth today spinning access versus the sun's coming at it on a right angle of course it's a different angle and uh, so something very interesting happened um a few years ago i get asked the most strangest advice by the way and so i was asked advice on a legal matter in the states and what it was was there was two landholders arguing about a boundary wall and uh, And using the compass, the boundary wall didn't fit, you know, north and south, and yet things were done that way, apparently, in that neighbourhood, and the argument had gone on. But So when I was asked to give advice on it, wondering why they came to me, you know, for that, um, I was fortunate to to have given exactly the right advice. (laughs) What it turned out to be was the boundary wall, when it was built, was built to north and south of that day uh, in the way Uh... of... um,
2: (laughs) Yeah, right.
3: So that you you can
2: date the wall, you can date the wall through the shift. Yeah, okay.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So now, knowing that, you know, when we look at places like Peru, it's the same. When we look at uh, uh, all those Buddhist structures, many structures throughout the world, they all sit on a northwest line. But the angle of that line, when we use uh, paleo astronomy to turn the sky view back, it can date when it was that those um those buildings were put in place by the Northwest yeah, exactly. line that they like yeah. So that's really yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, Marcus. Mm.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Marcus, so you got, you, do you wanna do you wanna to... the pyramid? <laughs> then we can see when it when we can yeah, we can date it basically. Yeah, so whether it's done before we, the shift or or after the shift. Yeah. So how old's Bambara? Goodness me, you know way back
3: you know mm. uh yeah you know, it, it when, when earth was on that angle you know it was around pretty close i think anyway for the minute don't quote me on this exactly i'm not claiming <laughs> it as a fact but 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 i believe it to be about around twenty three thousand years ago which is mm. bringing us back to where we are today um, well, that, well that's it i mean it we are at the end
2: for- we are at the end of that mm. cycle aren't we boys you know what i mean the the, mm. the, the precession yeah. of the equinox yeah. we actually come back around you know we've done We've done a couple yeah. of loops, and we're actually yeah. back at, the, back at yeah. the start now. That's that's the interesting thing we about are. the times Just that we live thing,
3: in.
4: Though. Yeah. Then, we watched more cross.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take you back to the start now, uh, where we were. You were asking about Monet and how that fits in. So once again, Manet was very famous here in, in, uh, in Australian Aboriginal law for a number of things, but one of the things was he created a heaven here on earth for the ancestors to dwell alongside us. Uh, what is above is below. Well, it has an origin too, you know. Mm. And uh, so, so what happened was when the uh, the the Indian and when I say the Tamil, it was it certainly the Tamil sailors. But I see too there was an influence from Indus Valley, and I researched quite heavily into Indus Valley, so I've got a, really? a, a fair insight. So it's
5: Indus, Indus, Indus Valley is there, interesting uh,
2: too, though, mate, isn't it? Indus Valley is interesting because they just disappeared. Like it seems like they got Up one day and left their lunch behind, you know what I mean? Like, they just it's like one day they, they picked did. up and just left.
3: They did, you know? they went to Egypt, <laughs> and this yeah. is where it goes. Uh, so, initially, what happened was Weren't they came wiped here. out there.
4: What was that in the Indus Valley? Wiped out, yeah. No, it was kind, the place was kind of level, all of uh, the houses, and well, all of the uh, um, no, you'd
3: be surprised, <laughs> it's still there, you know, it's no different to what you'd expect for anything that's you know, several thousand years old. Um.
4: But I, I did it. a lot of research also mm. on the Indus Valley. Yeah. Mm. Because um, mm. my grandfather left me a seal. Did he? Ooh. Yeah, very very Ooh. old seal from India. Ooh. And um, love to see I that. Re- I started researching the seal, and then I, yes. I, I, I found <laughs> the um, the clay tablets. Yes, 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 yes. Which was the first money. Yeah. Well, tablets.
3: they say it was money. Yeah. <laughs> it's all guess, of course, you know. And this uh, is the
4: seal that printed that yeah, money.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is yeah. the
4: thing for printing it.
3: I can imagine what it looks like. Yeah, yeah, it's got yeah. A, a yeah. unicorn on it. Yeah, it's a unicorn, isn't it? All oh, right, okay. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, uh, you probably find that unicorn has got uh, a mixture of animals in it. It wouldn't just be a unicorn. You might find it's got lion's toes. And uh, yeah, but it's got a body so
4: body like a um, like a rhinoceros.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. Uh, so you remember earlier um, I, I was making mention, you might have this, Marcus, but just before you came in, but we were chatting about um, uh, how it was that the the old ones used, uh, they put all the animal, not all of them, but they put a great many animals together in one depiction. And uh, and what it was would be to have a powerful body, uh, sharp claws, a horn like unicorn, mm. uh, yeah, which is a weapon, you know, And uh, what it was, was it was nature's, uh, it was nature herself combined. So all the deadly assets of nature combined into one animal. And that's nature when she's protecting her children. So her children, of course, all the other animals, us included. And uh, so it's called a morphed animal beast. And in Egypt, we see it with um, a hippopotamus uh, body, a crocodile head, uh, Mm -hmm. lion's uh, feet, and uh, and so on you know
2: well yeah, so, you're talking uh, about the anubis and is. talking about all those different well not
3: quite uh, the dog's yeah, head in yeah, the human yeah. body or uh, but, uh, but but this one but this one and that's what that's what Marcus has you know that's just a little bit of information
4: for you what that is Marcus. you wouldn't get that anywhere else so it's yeah, a, comp- that, a more that, that's morphed a uni- animal beast but unicorn then disappears from history after that well you'd be surprised until <laughs> the time of england yeah, yeah. many cultures still display The UK adopted that the, the symbol yeah, as, as yeah. the um, coat of arms. The UK adopted yeah, whatever
2: yeah. symbol they tried, decided they did. <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah, they would have known what
3: it was, you know.
2: They would have um, done. They would have done, uh, yeah.
3: Yeah. in no, well, Nature's combined, um, you know, uh, uh, might is what you're looking at there, you know,
2: in that do animal. Do you think, and, do uh, so you think that boys... Just a thought that came into my mind then. Like, the, it, do you think, like we're talking about the Indus Valley and when they moved and all that sort of stuff? Do we yeah. think the timeline we have is accurate, or do you think that it maybe is out a little bit, or are we saying uh, it's because of the been- stars? We can, we can, we can uh, uh, accurately yeah. date it.
3: Yeah, we can because of the stars. We can accurately date it. Yeah, what they mentioned as happening um, is datable through uh, paleo astronomy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's the date they come up with. It's exactly bang on, 3142 BC. Um, so, uh, yeah, so once again, in that year, what happened was the Indus Valley, the, the people from there, and the Tamil, who were the great uh, early ancient uh, sailors of the sea,
5: mm-hmm.
3: uh, came back to uh, the east coast, their beginnings place. That's how they honoured the east coast, the land in the south. But they took with them Chief Manet out into the world. And uh, what it was was, you know, his chief custodian of original knowledge there in the beginnings place. So to them, he's the big man. You know, there's no. When you when you say man.
2: so, so Colin, I, I we I, we last podcast we went through this story again, and I love hearing it again. But since I heard it last time, I've got questions. Right, you you, you yep. talk talk about the beginnings place, okay? Yes. What do we mean by that? Does that mean that the human race started here? What are we talking? How how, what are we talking about here? Because I've heard that original, you know what I mean? Like there, there's a – because right. the evidence the evidence to suggest that we walked out of Africa is pretty much blown out of the water now with five minutes research, you know, with the, with the bones that they're finding, with the footprints that they're finding, with all these bits and pieces. So when you say yeah. beginning's place, I mean, you're talking about major continents, India, uh, Indus Valley, Egypt, yeah. these sorts of things. What yeah. do we mean by beginning's right.
3: place? Okay, so – uh, to answer that, I'll explain uh, through telling you the creation story on the east coast how it goes. So it went like this before the cycle of man, there were trees, you know, before there was animals, you know, there were trees. And we know this, you know, in, in scientific fact that, you know, that as earth progressed with life, it began mm-hmm. with the plants and trees. Yeah. So there they tell it this way that upon Lion Island, or Muli Mulla is her traditional name, meaning beautiful mother. Kumari is what the Indians called it, the the great mother in the south. But what happened there was this, that upon the top of Lion Island on its most easterly highest point, there grew a large tree, the tree of life. So her name is Tula Marie. Uh, Again, that's Marie, you know, that great mother. So what happened there before the cycle of man was each day as the sun's energy came over the horizon... The first place it touched is the highest branches in the tree. From there, the energy of the sun goes down through her branches, down through her mighty trunk, and down deep through her roots into earth. Were we saying saying
2: that this tree still exists, or is it the grandmother tree at Karyong is of that tree?
3: Well, it's funny you should say that. There is a tree there. And, uh, and, of course, I was sent to see if the tree was still there. But the yeah. sight that I beheld as I stood in that spot was a mighty tree, uh, so wide we could all get in there and have a party. And, um, but it was broken off, and it was the very same scene. It was, it was quite eerie, actually, as the, um, uh, the buildings in New York when they came down, and we were left to see those black shards sticking up. Mm. That's exactly the scene that was before my eyes. So the tree was um, completely hollow, no thicker than the the thickness of the palm of my hand, and yet it was as big as a room, broken off at about five metres high, but the wood was no longer wood. Um, What had happened there was up high there on the most easterly point, there's no new um, mineral deposits coming, you know, get being laid down, as it would happen, say where I'm standing now here on the on the mainland, you know. Mm-hmm. Things would get buried very quickly. Up there there was nothing coming, just the salt and the rain and the sun. And in that, this hulk of a tree had virtually turned to I wouldn't call it stone. I, I made up a word looking at it. I called it saltified There's no such word I know of, you know, but that's how it appeared. It was uh, <clears throat> A living fossil standing right there you know, in front of my eyes. Mm, they do. And they uh, turn so to all around me were four large uh, boughs, big as cows, um, as fat as a cow and as tall as a cow and longer than a bus. And these four were broken off and they lay in the bush all around and they too were hollow like the trunk. So... That, that tree, why I was sent to see that tree from my Gomorrah elders was to check if she was still there. If is this, there was and are we still talking
2: Lion Island or are we talking carry on? Yeah, we're talking Lion Island. Lion
3: Island, yeah, Lyon, yeah. Lyon, which is part of Bambara back then. Yeah? Yeah. Today it's just that few hundred hectares that's left. Mm. But uh, in the old days, it wasn't like that at all. It was that entire district, you know. Uh, so once again, what the tree did was the tree birthed newer life into earth. And uh, so Ra, the sun, talking Egyptian now, you know, and Marie, because they too called her Marie, uh, through the energy of uh, the the life-giving energy of the sun uh, going through her into the earth, birthed newer life into earth each day. So what happened now, how man came about was this, that from her trunk first ran the red sap, which became the blood upon the river of life that runs through your veins and my veins and Marcus there, runs through all our veins, but especially no more than it did original man, you know, those here. So what happened was in that red sap first formed um, life, uh, animal life, in the way that it started as tiny bugs. Over deep time and then more deep time, those tiny bugs evolved into tiny little animals like mice and things. And they ran around on the up and down the the tree and that's where they lived. Eventually after more evolution and more deep time, those animals climbed down mother's trunk onto the ground. And from there, they spread out over the Western mountains which is the blue mountains from that area and out across all the land. And then one day out there evolved into man. So it's very clever they say out there. They don't say where, you know. And uh, But then one day, Bayami, the sun, woke man up after man had slept a long time, as did his, his brothers and sisters, the other animals. But Bayami woke man up and put into man his knowledge. And then... There was two men that he woke up, one called the Darul, Oh,
2: this is the, the brothers. One
3: he, yes. And yeah, the second yeah, one yeah. carries no name. He's only yeah. called as the Son of Light. Mm. So one day the Son of Light remembered Mother. Mm, and he said to Darulaman, yeah, yeah. I'm going home. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to fight a mighty battle. And his yeah. battle was to bring light over dark using Absolutely. my army's knowledge.
2: Yeah. Mm. So mate, so, so yeah, so this is this is an extension of the story you told us before. I've got I've got a, I've got a mm-hmm. question around the creation stuff because the other one mm-hmm. that you hear a lot in regards to indigenous culture and indigenous people is the Palladians and the Orions. Okay, so that's mm-hmm. the yep, yep. the Palladian, yep, the seven, of Palladi, Palladi, seven sisters of Pallad, seven sisters yep. of Pallas chased by the three brothers of Orion across the stars to here. Um, you uh, know, like that, that's that's a brother. very that's a very short that version is, of the story. How did, does that fit yeah, in it's, anywhere it's, we're talking about where we're talking or not?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, it does. Comes later. That's serious, by the way, that chases the seven ladies. It's not they see mm-hmm. um, It's a It's a different story. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, so they come into it too. But uh, that's after the cycle of man began. The, the, the seven ladies, the Pleiades, when they came was uh, to bring Star-Law. That's where Star-Law comes from. So the yeah. stories we have when we look at the Milky Way unfolding, they were brought by the Pleiades. So it's more than reasonable to suggest that they didn't come before the cycle of man because there'd be nobody to share that to, you know. So so that was a later thing. But what's really interesting is that creation story on the East Coast I just explained to you now, mm. how scientific is that, you know, compared to, you know, like just being born out of a dust, you know. And uh, and at the same time, it doesn't claim any. Um, and he firsts, you know, which happens in every country, everywhere. We were first. We were first, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. The way they explain it was, you know, that uh, those tiny animals went out over all the land and one day out there evolved well, into man. Or well, theoretically,
2: um, aren't, we, aren't we shrews? Isn't that right, boys? Aren't we shrews? Aren't we, well, that was the first mammal was a, was a shrew, some little mouse-looking thing. Yep. So that sort of echoes That's the story right, you're right. just talking about there, mate. Uh, Marcus, yeah, yeah, did, you have a... any,
4: did you have any questions, bud? Did you have anything you want to say to some of the stuff we've been talking about? Um, no, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Similar to quite a lot of the other creation. Well, uh,
2: And that's I what I find that too. Way. That's what I find too, isn't it? The creation story, whether it be the Palladian story or some of these other creation stories, they do echo, and I think it's the insulation of certain countries throughout the decade or throughout the millennia that they think it's their creation story, but what if it's not? They're, what if it's our creation story? You know what I mean? What if it actually goes <laughs> yeah. across all culture?
3: Yes, it is. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, uh, we can only take it back to um what's the oldest uh, um, text or uh, you know, uh, carvings explaining it. And, of course, the oldest we can find is Australia, you know. Mm. Now, story How old are they now, though? It.
2: How old are those carvings now, mate? What's the oldest carvings um, we've got now?
3: Uh, well, what, in Australia? Yeah. Uh, oh, certainly. West Australia, there, uh, and it's important to only date them by science, you know. Uh, so they're dated by science. They go back about forty-eight thousand years. Yeah. Um. Here, here on the east coast, um, our climate is, uh, you know, isn't as stable as it is in West Australia. No. Uh, where we, you know, we have seasons and so on. Where at that particular part where those were done, it's the, the it's very stable. So. In a stable environment, you know, science was able to measure deposits left uh, by tiny little creatures that live on the rock, you know, and uh, where well, we couldn't do that here because uh, winter kills them off and um, and then summer bakes them off and so on, you know, so it's, it's too scattered. But what we can date here are paints. And when I say that, you can't date all paints. Uh, many paints were just made from mineral, orca and so on. But in many other paints, too, they used animal fat. And and what it was, it was known to them that it extended the life of the paint. But what it does is animal fat is a carbon, of course, so it can be carbon dated. So the ones on the East Coast, the oldest that we've been able to date, only because they have carbon in their paints, are around 28,500 years old. Really? And, uh, yeah, that's pretty old, isn't it? Mm. And uh, yeah, you know, when we compare anything to, you know, Egypt or Greece, you know, uh, you know, here we're talking 28,000 plus years. But as I say, over 48,000 there in West Australia. And, uh, so those ones in West Australia are talking numeric ideograms. So they're talking dots and dashes. And, of course, we know today numeri- numeric ideogram is uh, an advanced writing language that makes Shakespeare look like he's just starting out, you know, it was so advanced. And they were using that. 48,000 years ago, you know, that's remarkable. But that's, but
2: that's um the, the dashes and the dots, they're numbers and letters and symbols at the same time, aren't they? Like it's it's a multi-leveled language.
3: Um, yeah, well, if I just count to four for you, for example, number one is mal, uh, M-A-A-L, as we might say in English. Uh, so its means are a new, uh, first, uh, beginning, Creator, so you can see where that's going, yeah. It's all like you know, first, you know, uh, bulla. So, bulla number two is a uh, breath, air, wind. Uh, so for example, if you just walked in the room and lightened the room up, that's bulla, you know, you just brought new, new, new breath into the room, you know. Mm. Uh, yuli angala number three, uh, entering the dark. Uh, so uh, if you were, say, um, heading to um, the north. Uh, you might just say that you know but yeah you know, where are you going Yuliangala, to the north the north is where the um the cyclones and things come from so they call that the dark you know
2: i was going to say I, I lived four. up i lived up north i was in Arnhem land for many years and that that right. that just it, it caused a memory in my mind that's that oh, they, right. they yeah. do describe that the Yuliangala. that's yeah. Yeah, anyway i yeah. i don't know where it's come from but i've just been hanging in i've heard that before, because yeah. I spent I spent many years up in Arnhem Land in the late nineties, early 2000s. Um, uh, so
3: we malunda would be number four, and we malunda means a great fire from afar. So that could be the sunrise, but at the same time you could say it too, talking of the sunset, a great fire in afar.
1: You
3: know, mm. uh, so if I said to you Malabula, uh, we malunda. I just said to you. Then the creator breathes life from a great fire from afar. So this is numeric ideogram, uh, this writing language. And is that um, does that so so so
2: do those numeric ideograms, mate? Do they echo across to the east coast as well?
3: They all used it. Yeah, Um, yeah. It was a language where everybody had different spoken languages, Mm. but they used the one writing language, and everybody knew what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, it often makes me wonder about uh, Babylon, you know, and yeah, you know, the uh, you know the Tower of Babylon, the Tower of Babylon, yeah, yeah, the, language, yeah,
2: the so. one language, yeah, that that's what yeah, makes yeah, me,
3: yeah, yeah.
2: And, and those, but these, yeah, um, you know, these numeric ideograms as well, mate. So, I know you, yeah. you don't just sort of restrict yourself to Australia. Have you seen yeah. echoes of this writing in similar format in other cultures in other countries?
3: Every country all over the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So would you believe it was still used in England right up to um, the days of Guy Fawkes? So Guy Fawkes was a guy that tried to blow up Parliament. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have Bonfire Night. And and he's the guy you stick on the top, Guy Fawkes. Mm -hmm. So what happened was uh, English Parliament, you know, were always, um, you know, working outside of the crown. You know, there was uh, the Royalists and then there was the Parliamentarians, you know. And, uh, and, of course, the royal didn't like the parliament at all. It was only brought together through the sake of um, it was Macbeth, wasn't it, and so on. So um, what it was was they, they hid their um, accounts from the crown so they couldn't see them. So to do that, they used what they called tally sticks and they <laughs> talked yes. about Gwelda or yes. ideogram on it. Mm. So when Guy Fawkes tried to blow the place up, that's where he set his gunpowder was in amongst all the... Thousands of tally sticks there underneath Parliament House, and uh, so he was sure to get a great fire out of it. And uh, <laughs> so after his failed attempt, that's when they got rid of all the tally sticks from under Parliament House, and uh, and then it was disused. So um, when was uh, when was that? Yeah, you know, when was Guy Fawkes? Yeah, um, I was trying to remember back. when
2: Guy
4: Fawkes was. Yeah. So the tally um, sticks. Yeah, the tally yeah. sticks were like the servers. Which ones? The tally sticks. They were like the servers under the World Trade Center. Yeah, very
3: much so. I guess.
2: So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 and I've yeah. heard of those tally yeah. sticks before. I mean, that's interesting. When was Guy Fawkes? We don't do that anymore, eh? Like, I mean, when I was a kid in the in the eighties and early nineties, we still. <laughs> I remember going down to the Oval, and they had the everyone for like the for six months. would go and chuck all their old chairs and beds and yeah. whatever else, and make this massive fire. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. It's yeah. Stick him on the top. Mm, yeah, yeah, stick that, that the doll on side. the top. Yeah yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. That was it. That was it by mm. Forks. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, ideogram, yeah, it was used right throughout. They all, they all used it. You know? There's very few countries I haven't seen um, evidence of um, numeric ideogram, you know, there. Um, certainly in Egypt. Uh, so, in um, Egyptian hieroglyphs, they carried it on into hieroglyphs, you know, when the time came that they were now writing in hieroglyph. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, when I was um, learning, you know, uh, and we'd see these dashes alongside otherwise um, yeah, animalistic looking forms and so on, you know, uh, and these dots and dashes, they were said to, you know, to change a word from, say, like the word cat into the word cats. So making mm. it into a plural, you know. Yes, I've and seen were, that. Course, yeah. 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 But th- those, of course, weren't aware that there was even an ideogram. So it seems it's one of those things that's been missed in translate, you know, Mm, and, uh, and like, who would have guessed, you know? Um, So, um, so when I used to read uh, a Steeler and it might take me say, you know, 20 minutes or something to, you know, to read a Steeler that's uh, as tall as you and I, you know, um, you'd see the, the um, numeric ideogram in there alongside. So now I, you know, I, I, I believe, you know, that that's what they were doing. Now, when I read that same Steeler, it takes me three times as long. Because by the time you add in the um, dots and dashes and the ideograms, yeah, Yeah, you've got entire whole new story, you know. Mm. And um, so, so, yeah, we see
4: numeric ideogram all over the place, you know. And um, That's the thing about the the carry-on glyphs. Mm. Uh, Thanks for calling it carry-on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, that it. um, because I've, I've heard quite a few different interpretations, yeah, I can explain those for you anytime of, you want of to what it. It, of what it means, but still, I haven't got something which is, um, I feel it's backed up and solid, yeah. But it was interesting your comparison to the um, the West, West Carpaparis, yeah, West Carp yeah Papyrus. and that was the key, you know. Yeah, I've showed you a video to two people and one really didn't like it and, <laughs> and one really liked it yeah good and um, <laughs> you get yeah. that so yeah. dr. Giza <laughs> who I'm working with he he said correct but he thinks that that the, the, um, the sign of Cheops there yeah is just it's a marker of time that it gives the current king in position during that time,
5: mm, right. Time yeah.
4: Frame. So that's off with um, you know, who, and 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 it gives the position in time, starting. You know. Yeah. Yeah. As you would. Yeah. In the story.
3: Yeah, it actually mentions so her his name. Time. Yeah, mentions her name fourteen times on the walls. What um, do you
4: say? Her. Yeah, oh, that's uh, that's, uh, the, that's it the next Kofi. question.
5: Kofi
2: was a, was, was a girl. That day, well, yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, do you know was, that? I tell you what. I tell you what, Colin. Out of all Kufu? the things out of all the things that you said on the podcast, Khufu being a girl was one was probably the one that everyone went, hang on a minute, what? That was the that was the one thing, <laughs> yeah. mate. So can can you can yeah. you walk us through why Certainly. you think Khufu is a girl and the reasoning behind that that it's represented there at carry on? Because I know Marcus wanted mm. to ask that as well. Marcus, mate, well, uh, make sure you talk into your mic. You're very softly spoken. Um, that was all oh, yeah because you kept moving your head away from your microphone and you kept moving so just um, okay. yeah just make sure we uh, we talk into the mic but Khufu being a yeah. girl caller tell us a yeah, story so mate.
3: What, okay well like all else yeah uh, I had to face that for a first time as well yeah you know? and um, so what it was was it says on the wall she's a girl straight up you know as soon as it mentions Khufu the word girl appears directly before her name every single time you know so when I made that video, the West Car Papyrus, I didn't, I didn't mention that, you'll notice. I talk as if it's a man. And while I was doing that, again, that was that strategy in lessening the size of the arena to have to defend from it. It was too early to have to defend that then. No, you,
4: know? no, you said she a few times. Uh, that might have been in the next one. Which slipped. was slipped. Um... It slipped.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, perhaps in the next one. There was two I launched, and one was... Um, uh, yeah, an actual translation of the walls themselves and that the initial one uh, in uh, the eleventh month, two thousand and fourteen. I was really careful not to mention it, you know, and um, and uh, but so what it was anyway was it did it mentioned that straight away girl, you know, so so I, I had to wrestle with that. So when I started to research why it was we thought it was a man at all, it came comes to us through. Petrie so Ernest Petrie was an early Egyptologist that worked in Giza uh, around the time of um yeah, the uh, turn of the 20th century so 1900 mm-hmm. and so on so it was he that termed Khufu as a man that, that was where it began and what it was the only evidence there is for that coming from Petrie or anywhere else was that he found a six inch statue and what it was, was he found half of a statue and uh, so um, on a dig. And uh, so he wanted to find the other half. So he put out uh, a reward for anybody that could find the other half of this six, small six-inch statue. And uh, some weeks later, a fellow found the other half and presented it to Petrie. Petrie, in his own chambers, placed it together and, uh, and renovated it you know, to, and put it into hole. And, um, and then introduced it to, um, to the world, you know, as being Khufu. But the thing is, he attested that. But the thing was, that's the only evidence, this six-inch statue. But when I looked at the six-inch statue, it doesn't say Khufu at all. It has a name Medju written on the side. And Medju was one of Khufu's names. Her names were Khufu Merititis and Medju. But Medju was her spiritual name. In the way that when I was confirmed as a Catholic as a kid, I didn't have any saying it, you know, and but I was given the confirmation name of Andrew that was a saint. So they like us, you know, had those names. I'm Colin James Andrew Hater, she was Khufu Meritis and and Medju. So that they too had names like we did that carried different things. So her Medju name, a lot of people carried that name. It was quite common, you know. And uh, so that statue that P2 found has the name. Well, it's not even complete, by the way. It's broken. You can hardly make it out, but it's thought to, and I think it says what well, that too, made you, but it's not actually clear. So what happened is Petrie broke all the rules of attesting anything, and there are rules. Firstly, you know, something's got to be found in an area that can be uh, linked to that um, rain. Uh, so if you found something of Khufu and Giza, well, you're on to a good start because Khufu is known to have been in Giza. But this place where that thing was found, uh, fourth dynasty didn't even exist in that area at all and uh, had nothing in common with them. And the thing was, it was found in the street. So that's another thing. It's not found within a build that is uh, unique to that reign or that person. And the other thing is, it was put together By Petrie in his own chambers, not by the Department of Antiquities of the day. So it was done out of sight of anybody else. And uh, so, um, in all those things I just mentioned, it broke every rule there is for attesting anything to anything, you know. Uh, But important.
4: Isn't isn't, um, Khufu Cheops? Cheops.
3: Yeah, it's just another way of saying it. Yeah, if you were Greek, you would say Cheops, and we might say Khufu. Yeah. So you 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 same feel name. That, um Cheops is a, a woman. Uh, yes, that's right. Yep. Kufu Merititis and Medju. And Medu. So when we looked away from Merititi. Nope. Uh, Merititis. 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 Yeah. Uh, Kufu Merititis and Netson Medu. So yeah, uh, that sounds like a girl's name. Yeah.
2: It, it does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs>
3: Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so you notice on a cartouche, and uh, boys so and on be boys, cartouche, eh? yeah, on a cartouche of a royal ruler, yeah, you see the re, like the re symbol, like uh, yeah, they've got the, the sun at the top. Mm. And what was different about Khufu's is it isn't a re, it's got hashes running through it, uh, three hashes. So, where this came to light greatly was, remember that, um debate about the uh, inscriptions found within the Great Pyramid and they were trying mm. to say that uh, Vice, uh, you know, Colonel Vice, who opened the pyramid, had forged them himself. Mm. It was uh, mm. Stichken, you know, What's his name? Um, you know, uh, I forget uh, Stitzkin's full name now. Um, how can I forget that? But, you know, he brought up the idea, no, hang on, that's not how you spell Khufu. It would be a re. You know, it's a sun. All rulers had a re on the top. But She didn't. Hers is different to all the else's. Instead of just being a round circle, it's a round circle with three hashes, which is the word, or or the the pronunciation which is a kufu in kha, you know. And uh, so that too is a feminine symbol. That's the name of the moon, kha. And that symbol used the same way is the symbol for the moon, you know. So uh, her name is made up out of entirely feminine, you know. So anyway, when we realised that um, the evidence of Petrie was not just false, it was feeble, so feeble it was laughable, you know. When I started to look next into all other tellings there in Egypt, not just there at Bambara, but in Egypt, every single telling has before it, girl. says Khufu girl, every single time. And uh, so they weren't holding it a secret, you know. Uh, the only reason we didn't know about it was, that false attesting by Petrie, and uh, and by the way, at the time Petrie caught a flack over that, you know, every Egyptologist was happy to see uh, false attesting going on, and there was a heck of a controversy about it. That's uh, is that the, the statue as well, Colin?
2: At that you can see that statue today, can't you? And it doesn't actually look like yep. the two pieces go together. Like it looks like they've been they've been manipulated to be yeah. put together. It's almost two bits of yeah. stone. Like it doesn't look like it should go together at all.
3: Well, I don't I don't know how good a job he did of it, but uh, just the fact that he, he did it at all in mm. private, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's just breaking all the yes, rules. Well. You know? mm. Yeah, mm. terribly wrong, yeah. And they robbed Egypt of a great part of its history, you know. And uh, So Egypt today, yeah, the sovereigns of Egypt, the people in the street, they look at Khufu and call Khufu their missing queen. It's only us, us English speakers and all those by us ever since, you know, that think she's a bloke at all. And uh, so when I'm explaining this in Egypt, they're looking at me like, that's old news. <laughs> it wasn't new to them at all, you know.
2: Isn't um, that interesting, though, because so, that, um, that's some of the stuff that I have found. It's like the, the disconnect between... You know, like we discuss things down here in Australia, like talking to Mohammed and some of those other guys over there as well about some of these stories. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, we've known that for ages. But it's like mm. it hasn't actually reached us down here, you know. I think that the yeah, expansion of this right, knowledge yeah. Yeah. Uh, needs to be needs to happen, you know.
3: It does, yeah. So for Khufu and the girl business, uh, it would be impossible for me to be able to prove she wasn't a girl. There's that much on it. It's really that much. It's hundreds and hundreds of cartouches and tellings of Khufu, and they all say she was a girl, you know? mm-hmm. including those here at Bambara, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, I wonder if uh, your good friend Dr. Geza there notices that in the cartouche. you know, uh, that uh, it's not a re on top of her name as it is with um, everybody else, you know. It's, yeah, uh, you
4: notice there's a lot. There's a lot of discrepancies to the mm-hmm. narrative. He says that the, the, the body of um, Tutankhamen is not, that's not Tutankhamen either. Oh, that's, yeah. that's someone else they buried there. Well,
3: whoever he was, he was certainly a royal. There's no doubt about that. His blood checks out. He's, uh, his blood type description when seeing the molecular level is A2MN. Uh, what MN is, is mn uh, relates to enzymes on your immune system which attach to your blood cells and they're passed down mother to mother to mother like oh, that's the that's no that's another thing yeah yeah blood type descriptions are your blood and uh, looked at at once again at molecular level for your enzymes and uh, and uh, so the blood type description that that science of blood type descriptions not to be confused with blood types that's that's just categories. Uh, so blood type descriptions, what's important about them are that um, they carry a very rare title in science. Uh, blood type descriptions, that science is called irrefutable. Now, very few things in science are irrefutable. All science it's, it's is true. Yeah. All science is called as a, 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 um, a theory. It's just how we best understand the thing until we, you know, more newer learning comes on board. Mm -hmm. However, a very small margin of things fall into the line of irrefutable, where they are beyond the chance for argument against. And blood type descriptions are one of them.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
3: So, Manchester University Hospital in 1956 did the blood autopsies on all those found in the Valley of the Kings. So, this Mm. is King Tut and family, Mm -hmm. along with all the generals and leading public servants found there along with them. And what was found was all of the ruling family, no exceptions are all A2MN blood type description. All the others, leading generals and and public servants and so on, uh, were all the usual um, blood type description you would get in any multicultural society. The A2MN is unique to only the ruling family. So what's remarkable about that is, get this now, that's an extreme rare blood type description, extremely rare. The the, the list of who carries that blood is very tiny, and it goes like this. There was, um, uh, at the time then, uh, something like uh, 13 random people in the Netherlands shared that. Uh, and the next one was there's a, a small tribe on the west coast of Africa, about mid-Africa, uh, a tribe of around 3,000 who also carry that that's unique to them. And then one other is the Blackfeet American Indian tribe. They're all A2MN. The greatest number of A2MN is the basically the entire population of the north of Australia, where I'm going next week. That's another reason I'm going there. They're all A2MN. So when Manchester University Hospital came up with that, they said the MN, um, we we can't tell what disease it's meant to fight. It's beyond us at this time, you know, but it's hoped in the future one day we'll work it out. Well, science did eventually catch up and only just recently. And it really took my keeping my finger on the pulse for years, you know, waiting for the answers to come up. And what came? You're making a copper. I'm jealous. If you're making a copper, <laughs> <laughs> you are right. Nah. <laughs> and so what came up was um, was this? It was found what it was. Uh, so it turns out to be um, a uh, an attachment to our immune that fight an extreme. So there's a lot of rarities in this, but an extreme rare malaria, and actually, so now we have a cause for it. You know, mm. and uh, but. But then when medical science come up with that, they said, but we've no idea where that malaria actually has its origins." So, so here's part of the answer, you know, but, but not the total answer. So again, keeping my finger on the pulse, what I was able to do was I was able to search the world's records for mosquito control. So mosquito control is a very serious business. It has to be.
2: Mm. 300
3: million people a year die of malaria.
2: Oh more yeah, yeah, more. more people have died of malaria than anything else ever. Yeah.
3: 300 million a year, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and millions, millions more, you know, were permanently made. Why aren't they? <laughs>
4: yeah, was bad. Why aren't they testing people? Weren't they? Yeah, it was bad. Weren't they being quarantined, wasn't it? So so malaria.
2: <laughs> <quite>, calm down, <laughs> calm down.
3: Yeah. Seriously malaria control is uh, is as acute as we see with COVID. It is, yeah. Uh, Mm. and well established so all countries in the south um, hemisphere you know carry large budgets for that purpose for the mm-hmm. control of mosquitoes mm. so anyway no better than australia though they do a really good job of it and they're excellent record keepers and uh, so watching their uh, mosquito control well bugamy dead it came up didn't it that's that exact disease you know and uh, and the mosquito type that carries it and it turned out that it only that mosquito only exists in one place, a tiny island just off the shore of Townsville, amongst the Palm Island group. Really? So again, you can see by going there this week, it's getting pretty exciting, isn't it? Don't get, Yeah, take your yeah. Take your error card. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell yeah. Tell me about it. And uh, yeah. So, uh, so what we have
4: is this. Once again, you don't want to get bitten by one of those, mate. No, that's He's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. oh, tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, so mate, boys,
2: preach happened... to the choir. I, I nearly died from mosquito bike in 2013. Uh, it's not fun oh. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah, right.
3: don't yeah. play around yeah, with that dude. stuff. Yeah, you got me worried now. Yeah. Uh, because uh, because <laughs> this particular one is also the world's most deadly. Would you believe that? Yeah. So it's... The rarest uh, malaria, the most deadly malaria, carried by a mozzie that only dwells in this one place, a tiny island on Earth, you
4: know? Mm-hmm, mate, so you're going have, there. Yeah. So, so what you we better have, take the helmet, like uh, Mate, uh, uh,
3: <laughs> mate an, an explorer's game is a hard game, I can tell you. You know, like, people think I'm on holiday, you know? Uh, but this is the sort of stuff i got to do. So what we have, when it, when it all comes down to it, is uh, the rulers of Egypt, the way, this is the way Manchester University said it back in the day. They Had said, been we, bitten we by those mosquitoes. Yeah. Now, they said, we can't explain this now. You know, their learning is beyond, is beyond us at this stage. But what is irrefutable is the rulers of Egypt, those 17 people in, uh, in the Netherlands, that tribe there in Africa and the uh, Blackfeet American Indians and the great population of Northern Australia, all once shared ancestors that lived in the same street. Who yeah. were so bitten what by those mosquitoes. Just, yeah. yeah. So in now finding the origins to what MN is for mm. and finding the location, what that tells us is um those um rulers, you know, um basically that's their um their mother's land.
4: Mm-hmm. You know? path down womb to womb, you know. Yeah, they so must the have been th- there long enough. A long time, you know, long enough to get uh, Yes antibody.
3: Exactly. Yeah, and we know... But it's a abortion. very strange thing. Yeah, and we know that, uh, you know, the Aboriginal race is, you know, the but longest... But what blood type is that, actually? ...the on Earth. I've what never is it? heard
4: it? I've ne- never heard of A2 blood type. Uh, A2MN, yeah. So A is... A, so
3: when you look at blood groups, you've got A's and B's and so on. So they're yeah. categories. But then there's yeah. categories after them where you've got A+. plus. And, and so on, yeah. So it breaks up like that. And then further down the line, when you go deep into it now, molecular level, then you have the descriptions of uh, what's attached to that blood alongside, as yeah. such as MN and that uh, blood type descriptions.
4: So blood types descriptions is an old science. Like Rh, Rh has got the antibody also. Yeah, yeah. Rh negative. It's got yeah. that, it's Got the antibody, antibody for for, something. for what?
3: yeah for kills something anything.
4: Yeah, yeah the, the mother it can only be passed mother to mother right yeah yeah and, uh, uh, and um, that's where the immunities are made of course in the womb yeah if, so. the has, if the mother has a child who isn't rh negative mm-hmm. the, the, it will be aborted the, the blood will um the antibodies will attack the child yeah oh. right that's right yeah, yeah.
3: I well,
4: actually, MN's yeah. a bit more forgiving
2: than that. Uh, so, so, boys, 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 boys. Let me break this down for a second because you just yeah. gave a very succinct explanation to something that's actually quite massive. Okay, it
5: so is. what we're that's saying,
2: what we're saying, is the Blackfoot Indians tribe in northern Africa, the yeah. Egyptian kings and the percentage yeah. of the kings yeah. and pharaohs that ruled Egypt, and
3: all of them, no exceptions.
2: Yeah, no. And, exceptions northern australia or you know indigenous from northern australia yeah well we're all bitten by the same mosquito or developed the same antibodies in the same blood type um at some point in the past i mean we're talking about genealogical dna evidence yep. that the three major one you know the three major continents or one the biggest island in the world and two major continents mm. yeah uh, are irrefutably connected i mean we can't yeah, sort of just brush past that you know what i mean yeah. like, that's massive yeah.
3: that's massive yeah it's massive yeah but more important is that uh, it takes us home to um, to to that mother's land you know mm. so so in in my going there it, what's important about it you know it's not just well, i'm going there because there's a, a uniting going on that's, that's the first reason mm. but it was on my it was on my um, you know uh, horizon anyway you know because of you know, now uh, finding the locality of that uh, origin of the MN. Uh, i tell
2: you what, what you need to what, get, what Cole. What you need to get, mate, is what I used to use for malaria. There's this sunscreen you can get, and you almost got to put yeah. it on with a trowel, but it's got like yeah. DDT in it as well. Like it's nasty yeah. stuff, but you're never going to get bitten by one of those mosquitoes, mate. Yeah, that's, not, uh, yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah. the good stuff.
3: Well, the, the, the Australian... DDT, um, yeah, the Australian effort for knocking off the mosquito they reckon they've knocked it off uh, so fortunately um, I uh, you yeah, I should be free from it you know uh, but when I say they knocked it off they last sprayed it was only about a year ago uh, there was a la- there was another report there was uh, two blokes had rowed down or sailed down from Papua New Guinea and they caught it you know and uh, oh, so – uh, and that, that's how it was I came up with the information was. It was a later spray, you know, it just been done. Yeah, right. And, uh, but uh, hopefully they've knocked it on the head, you know. So, uh, what, are we, so what are we anyway- saying
2: here, boys? What are we saying? We'll leave the mosquitoes behind. What are we saying? What are we saying here? Are we saying that – I mean, obviously one of the the, the the things that we're saying here at Unlocking the Code is that there was once a global culture, a global understanding, a global spiritual culture – that probably got along a bit better than we do now. Maybe, maybe not. But if we're saying that uh, your blood types and your DNAs they are matching, does that mean they we're communicating? We were seafaring. Like how <laughs> how far do we want to take that? Like that that's a question. Right? Well,
3: okay, I'll have to take it back to where we were talking before, but I didn't get to finish telling you about yeah. where Monet went out. You know? Yeah. So, well, he went. I know so, from the
2: last podcast he they took him and he basically travelled to South America, India. Egypt, all the major places sharing knowledge, yes. yeah?
3: Yeah. So for Marcus, it went like this, you know, was those Indians, you know, they seen it that uh, the time of uh, chaos was on. They called it the Kali Yuga. And they'd be cu- the world would now be cut off from original teaching because they won't be able to navigate back. So what they did was they took Monet and they and they together went out into all those lands to teach agriculture, math, writing, Um uh, agriculture, you know, I said that, didn't I? Building, um, and uh, but importantly, law, L O R E, and that's why Mene was there. He's gone out to teach law, and uh, no doubt it would have been an Indian, uh, Indus Valley, teaching building. You know, like you wouldn't see you know, an Aboriginal chief teaching that. You know, so like us from the Mirabuka, we each have our um, our Skill focus. Sets. What the yeah. chief? Yeah, same for them. You know, but but the other part to their goal was was they were going out to teach knowledge into man to give them the knowledge they needed to survive the cycle of chaos kali yuga but then also they were going to the north to build a home there for mother in the north because nobody would be able to find her again in the south so they were going there to build a copy of the home of mother here in the south there in the north that's that northwest line we were talking about the bambara sits on So they went to Giza. That's where they built it. So Giza is built on one side on a northwest line. What we see is uh, right in front of the Khufu pyramid is a small pyramid. There's there's three. They call them the Queen's Pyramids. But importantly, the last one in the row is called the Pyramid of Hanetsan. Now, you remember Khufu's name? Uh, Khufu Merititi's Hanetsan Meju. It's her, you know. So it starts off that you've got the tiny pyramid of Hennetson, and then the next thing coming down the line, right in front of the Great Pyramid is the Isis Temple, which is basically flattened today. I've been there, but there's not much left. But it's still there, you know. And then further down their line comes the Sphinx. And then further down the line uh, comes up the Wall of the Crows, uh, which is an interesting place. That's a cemetery that holds the builders who built the pyramids. So the brick layers and concreters and all that, they're all buried there. And you uh, uh, dig that and just opened last year. Well, not last year. Was, I lost a year with COVID. Uh, opened up a couple of years ago. I was actually one of the first Egyptologists in there with a team from Norway. Um, so anyway, so when we look at Bambara now, we have the tomb just up from the glyphs. And on the tomb wall, it tells what it is. It says this is the eternal resting place behind this wall is the, uh, the tomb or the house for Henetsen. They call it Henetsen too. And then as you walk away from, from that, you walk between the walls of Bambara, which is the temple of Isis, leg of the bull. That's what it's called there, the, the glyphs. It's not just glyphs on a rock. That is the temple of Isis, leg of the bull. So once again, In Giza, they have the house for Hennetzen, the little pyramid. And then the next thing is the Isis temple. Here in Australia, we've got the tomb, which you can go and see and see the text on the wall. And then the next thing comes up is between the walls, the Isis temple here. And then continue down that northwest line. And then you've got Lion Island. In, In Egypt, continue down the line and you hit the Sphinx in exactly the same proportions. They copied it exactly um uh, in in a way that they called it meh measure they divided everything by 7 you know and uh so um so there they were once again they went out to teach um knowledge into men around the world to give them uh, the knowledge to survive the timeline of chaos and then they were going to the north to build a home for mother so what you're asking me about was around the world what they all doing communicating what was going on that's the, your answer. That's what was going on, was when they went out to teach into those lands. So Manet, when he left here, we see him in India as Manu. So he's one of the avatars on the boat that went out during the Kali Yuga, the great um, you know, chaos in the water, thought to be a flood where Noah came from, and all those things since. So we see him as Manu. In Crete, we see him there, and he's Minos,
2: we have, do we south- have evidence of a flood going back 5,000 years, 6,000 years? Is there, is there any
3: geological there's no, evidence? There's zero, none. It didn't happen. There's no, no geological evidence in the history of Earth that suggests that there was a flood in the cycle of man. Didn't happen, never. Uh, what did happen uh, was in India when they wrote of what I'm telling you now and they talked about the land of the south would be cut off and they talked of Lion Island, they said... The waters were drawn around. They didn't say sunk. And it was from that that India tells it that, that the great land sunk. And from there it just went on. And now everybody, you know, to, into popular belief, you know. So, so do we, out. so, so that,
2: that, this that's, that's a discussion I had with someone the other day when we're talking about um, how language chang- changes, you know, from these picto ideograms hmm. to, you know, to Hebrew, to Latin, to Greek, to, you know, to mm. French, yep. to English, to modern English. Yep. The the original yep. meaning of what these things actually meant is completely different. And, like, sometimes I've seen some of the translations where it's like it's a completely yep. different sentence in comparison yep, to um, wow. what it actually meant. So you don't yeah. think, you, you think that's a, a, misconstrued, a misconstrued piece of evidence. It's not necessarily it a great flood. It's just been. It
3: Yep, they were just went into popular belief coming from that. The waters were drawn around. You know, they're very clear. You know those ancient Indian texts, and uh, but even today, you know, like you could strike a Buddhist monk and he'll tell you about the flood. That's how deep it went. You know, they all made the same mistake. They all one person said flood, and they all thought flood ever since. You know, and uh, so, just it, out of curiosity, Colin,
2: because like I, I, I truly appreciate your conviction and all that sort of stuff. But what, what makes your interpretation correct and everyone else's incorrect? You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's, a, that's a fair question. We, uh,
3: we can prove it. <laughs> that would be it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where all else can't. The Bibles, for example, all of them, you know, and there's a good many from the Karam, you know, the beautiful Karam, I like to call it, uh, to uh, the Torah for the Jew, you know, the marvellous Torah, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, of course, you know, the Holy Bible for those of uh, Christian folk. But what they all share together is none of those things in them can ever be placed towards any fact whatsoever. Yes. It's, com- it's it's, it's complete, them, Yeah, it's you know? all
2: complete fiction. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
3: yeah. Well, it's, but the thing is, it's not, it's mm. not fiction. It's just, nobody's been able to put them to fact, you know, so mm. far. And, uh, and so far doesn't exist around here, you know? Um, so, um, so what we see today in the Bibles is uh, the world's in for a big shock. It turns out, a very great many of those original passed-on stories and knowledge survived into the Bibles, but in our perception of how we read those things, the idea was lost. Mm. And uh, that was that example, was my that
2: was my thought as well, mate. Because I've read the Bible, I've read the Quran, I haven't read yeah. the Jewish one, um, yeah. but I did wonder whether or not. Yeah, we, and, and it, it, I mean, you could even go into fairy tales. You could go into uh, the old children's mm. stories. We could go into, yeah. you know, old limericks. All of these things, this is text that's telling us something that has been passed down through story, right? It might not yeah. be complete fiction or complete myth. What it's going to be is actually it's an interpretation of data that we may mm. not understand yet.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so it's easy to understand. All I've got to do is look back at what those words originally meant. So when we look at the Bible, the word David, for example, uh, is uh, if we take it to earliest Hebrew, that's actually, it has a meaning. It's not a name at all. Most of those things, all of them, in fact, they weren't names at all. So David is um, the phrase beloved uncle. It's not actually a name. Jonathan, uh, which extends right out to Jesus at the end of the day, you know, when you take it out. Uh, Jonathan is the word or the phrase a gift from the Creator, um, and it, it goes on. You know, Saul, King Saul, uh, Saul is uh, the um, description of peacemaker. Uh, so when they say King Saul, what they're saying is a peaceful king. Solomon, love Solomon, uh, or Solomon, as it's as he said, S A U. L I M A N, in English we say mm. Soliman, but it's the mm. same fella. So Soliman uh, is the um, is descriptive uh, part to Saul, so peace bringer, but Iman is unifier. So it's peace bringer, unifier. So when they talk about, um, you know, uh, the Creator brought David to Jonathan, you know, it's basically, you know, the Creator brought the beloved uncle a gift from god you know so um our interpretation changed, you know in a way that many of those descriptives became Mm. names that we use today you know Mm. and uh, but they weren't names at all so it's a lot of fun to look at any bible page and i might recommend samuel go there and uh and uh and look at those names but while you're doing it google you know the, the original meaning to those names and uh, and now then read the verse, and it tells a completely different story altogether. And um,
5: well, that's
2: interesting, and mate. That, that's that's very interesting, mm. yeah. uh, Marcus, so mate. Him- uh, yeah, Marcus, mate. Um, we've obviously we've been talking for a little while. I know everyone's been at work today. It's getting late everywhere we go. Um, have you got anything you wanted to ask Colin directly? Is there any topics we haven't covered tonight that you wanted to have a chat to him about?
4: Um, well, I did want to go a little bit further into the um, into the um, to the glyphs, yes, Mm -hmm. certainly. If if, if we remember to
2: talk into your mic, mate, you keep turning your head away from your microphone,
3: (coughs) yeah. Ask at any level, you'll find me full of good answers for you. (laughs) You mentioned Um, before seeing different interpretations.
4: who Who were the people, according to you, that um. That was shipwrecked? Okay, well not according to me, uh, but uh, according to the text
3: in Egypt that you can go and see there that tell the story. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's not my version, it's, all, it's written. Uh, and who, who was this person who they'd come to pick up? Uh, okay, well that's uh, all part of it, okay. Uh, so what the West Pyrus is the key for that, you know, that certainly helps to, to, to explain it uh, a little. So what happened was uh, Khufu being told uh, of this wonderful magician. Uh, so she's being told this in her own parlour uh, by one of her family trying Entertainer. And he starts to tell her about this wonderful magician called Didi, who is the greatest magician in the world, but he's still alive today. And so Khufu said to the one saying that his name was Dijedfor. So he's known as uh, uh, a relative of Khufu. And he became king himself. So he's for, Tanfus, Menkuri, the three pyramids, one's the Menkuri pyramid, that guy. So that guy, as a relative of Khufu, in discussion with Khufu, telling her about this great magi, Khufu has turned and said, Go get him, bring him to me. Now, what's important about Khufu is Khufu was known as a ruler you cannot say no to. Her father, Snefru, in his time made a law that you cannot say no to Khufu. After Snefru died, doesn't matter he's dead, it's law. He made that law and he's a pharaoh. You couldn't say no to Khufu. So when she has said to Djedfor, go get him, well, poor Djedfor must have thought, oh, my God, you know, because he knew where that was. We're talking the other side of the world to do that. But nonetheless, he did. Uh, so as it tells in the West Garth Papyrus, he left Egypt, Went to the land of Djesnefru to find Didi there, so he finds Didi, explains to Didi that uh, he has an invitation if he would come back to Egypt to meet his 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 ruler. In what year and, was this? Uh, this is the year two five uh, six six BC, so four thousand five hundred and eighty. So uh, what's that? Seven years ago. Yeah. I think. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, um, so anyway, he does, you know, and Khufu arrives there in Egypt, but in the West Carpapyrus, importantly, it tells that when dj 4 was talking to Didi here in this place, he says to Didi, if you come, my ruler promises he will build there a home for your ancestors to be honored. Now, I know Egyptians to be very honest, the Egyptians of this day anyway, you know, are extremely honest. So knowing that Khufu made that promise, that meant to me they did do that. It's got to be built, you know. Did it still survive? You know? So one of the that the house that was promised would be built there for Didi. uh, It'd have to be a pyramid, wouldn't it? Well, it it doesn't have to be. They didn't say a pyramid, they said a house. And uh, Giza's full of master bars. Yeah, Giza's full of master bars. You know, there's uh, over 900 master bars all around the pyramids. And uh, so anyway, one of the goals of the Buna Guru expedition, when we went to Egypt on expedition in 2019, was to find there any evidence at all. Did they finish that promise? Did they build a house for Didi there in in that place, which is Giza? And uh, it turned out they did. We found it, you know. Well, that's another story. But um, so where I'm going with it was that you asked me who, went, who, who was at Bambara. So Dijed 4, once again, went to Bambara, got Didi, went to Egypt. Now, in the meeting there in Egypt with Khufu, Khufu says the immortal words to Didi, you know the numbers of the chambers of Thoth, don't you? And Didi replied, no, I don't. However, I do know where they are. And they're held in a box of flint. And you'd wonder, what would an Aboriginal man know about a box? The concept of a box wouldn't even existed. But it's all part of the interesting story. Turns out Lion Island, by the way, uh, the um, geological history of uh, the Sydney Basin, it's all flint. <laughs> and Lion Island is a big piece of flint, you know. Uh, anyway, so whilst they're in Egypt, uh, Khufu says, Take me there. I want to go to this place. Yeah, you know? I want to copy um, uh, the uh, the numbers of the chambers of Thoth. So the Westcar Papyrus finishes in the way of uh, when they basically go to get on the boat. Boom! That's the end of the story. And that was the interesting thing about the Westcar is it's wondered did the other half fall off? You know, did it go missing in antiquity? You know, was there another half? You know, she just that's when Khufu now disappears out of history. But what we do know now through the learning down there in Bambara, what it says on the walls. Was Dijed... Kufu on the boat? Yes. So Dijed Kufu was and... on the boat. Yes. Yep. Yep. Kufu was on the boat. And returned? And it... Here. Came here.
4: Yeah. So this is her. Never her... went
3: back. She died. It says on the wall. They were caught in a storm and the two ships turned upside down and a hundred of them were killed, including Khufu. So the wall on the text of Bambara starts out from where the Westcar papyrus finishes and starts all over again, and then quickly turns into a funeral wall. And it tells the story of what happened to Khufu, that there she was killed. So the thing about Khufu is, and it's a fascinating story, (laughs) um, is that uh, I mentioned you couldn't say no to Khufu, you know, that was the law. So what happened was when Khufu died here, something uh, terrible happened. <laughs> it wasn't just that she was dead. She couldn't have her heart weighed. The normal way was that their heart was weighed against a feather to see if they'd told a lie or been impure in any way. Well, Khufu kind of was. Khufu was a hell of a gal. Khufu, now we know more of her. We find that uh, she enjoyed a drink and uh, she could drink the royal rowers even under the table. The royal <laughs> rowers are the strongest, the bravest, the most purest in the land, and that's the way it t- tells them of Bambara on the wall when it talks of them. But she could drink them under the table. Uh, she loved to party. She was uh, the great Gatsby of her day and would keep the palace awake overnight with her singing and uh, and dancing all around the palace. And uh, But Khufu did something very unusual, and, and this leads into why she's a bit of a mystery. What happened was she was supposed to marry the next uh, incoming boy in line. So his name was Dijed Free, not to be confused with Dijed Four. <laughs> Djed Free, Khufu's brother. She's supposed to marry him. But what happened was you couldn't say no to Khufu. And in that moment, she went, no, I'm not marrying him. And they would like, what? you, you got to marry him. Yeah, They've been brought up together. We see statues of Khufu's little girl and Dijed Free's little boy going through training to be trained to be the rulers of Egypt. And now Khufu has gone, no, I'm not marrying him. She said, I'm marrying him. And she points to the butcher and his name was Uncuff. And so she married um, the, the fellow that holds the title as the head of the butchers for the palace. And uh, so what they did was this, that that's a lot of chaos, you know, it, to, to be the husband, you know, for the queen, you had to be from a special line. You had to be that A2MN, firstly, you know. So you had to be from uh, from from that other place, that land in the south.
2: The blue blood. and
3: uh, Yeah. And uh, so, anyway, she uh, decides, no, she's marrying Uncalf, you know. So they couldn't argue with her. So what they did was they split her name up. Uh, her name, Khufu Merititis Hanetsen meju. What they do with it next is Khufu marries Meritites, half of her name. Hennetson goes on and marries Ankaf. So, Ankaf is probably a name you've never heard before, I bet, you know. But who he is, uh, when we look at the master bars in front of the Great Pyramid, that's where all the tombs are, his is the biggest in Giza. In fact, it's the biggest in all Egypt. It's that big. And this is the butcher. And so it confuses Egyptology today. Why did the butcher get the biggest master bar in all Egypt? What's going on? Not aware that he'd actually married Khufu under her and name. And um, so um, where was I going with that? As I said, yeah, you couldn't say no to Khufu. So that's right. So when Khufu died here, uh, you know, she's done something pretty big there. She's completely changed the ascension to the throne of Egypt, you know. And uh, so she couldn't have her heart weighed. Basically, she's going to hell, and she did, you know. So when she died, poof, she went into that black place. But that fellow that was with her, Dijedfor, uh, he wasn't just um, a master of a boat. Uh, so his full name was Dijedfor Tamphus Menkori. As Tamphus, his, his spiritual name, uh, he was the highest high priest of all high priests, high priest of Thoth. Basically, he was Thoth live amongst us that's how high he reigned so nobody is more powerful than the highest of high priests not even a king a queen is but the king isn't he's only the queen's husband so that bloke with her when she died here the 4 he is um again yeah the, the highest uh, ranking official there is the highest high priest of thoth so what he did was he did something very remarkable this is what it tells on the walls in, a, a, in a, um, a communion with those here, they called them the Haru, a human of Ra, as Aboriginals are. They're born of the sun, you know, the father is Bayami. So in a communion with the Haru, using both their magic, so it tells on the walls of Bambara that they're using both Egyptian magic and Australian Aboriginal magic. And what they did was they basically went to hell and brought Khufu back. They brought back her damn soul that wasn't going to go and live in the stars with the uh, with the creators, as all rulers did. This one wasn't. She was damned, you know. And uh, so what they did there was, using that magic, they um, they gave her newer life. And from this was born the goddess we know as Shaset. So Shaset, this goddess, who we uh, can look up, you know, Uh, What she is, is she's called the uh, the mistress of the Sycamore Forest. And um, so her jurisdiction, what she does is she stands in that place where Thoth used to stand. And when uh, your good deeds are being accounted for, they're marked on a stick. So you've seen that familiar image of Thoth with the stick and he's marking things. Yeah. And, and now I've mentioned it, you might be familiar perhaps with Sheset. She suddenly appears now and she's the one doing that. So what they did was they reached into hell, uh, brought Khufu's lost uh, soul out, gave her a newer life and made her into the goddess Shasset, And they buried, uh, or not buried, uh, they opened up a place on Lion Island and built inside there a temple. To house her soul. Her body is just near the glyphs on the mainland, netson the house of netson it says so on the wall. But on the walls in Barbara, it tells they did this. They opened up the chambers on the island, and there they built a temple for her car soul to live. And that, so Khufu turns now into the goddess Shaset,
2: you know? So we're we talking uh, about chambers on the island, mate. It, can we get yeah. access to this stuff? Or no? Is it, can we is this well, can, can we prove that this stuff actually is real? Yep, you can go there and have a look.
3: Uh, on the northwest side of Lion Island is one more set of texts, uh, just like we see between the walls of Bambara. It was reported first by the National Parks, and uh, and um, one of their staff put a uh, I think it was a Facebook post out at the time. It wasn't known to anybody asking. What's this? Why is these strange texts on this wall? Does anybody know anything about them? Well, of course, I went there, you know, uh, when we did um, back in the day. And uh, so what we found there was um, in line with what it says in Egypt, talking about this, uh, about that place uh, there, several hundred years before they buried one other man. They buried Manet. So that Manet who went out with the Indians, to teach law and agriculture mm. into the world. And then they went to Egypt to build a copy of the house of God. When he died, as they would with an Australian Aboriginal man, they brought his bones home, painted mm. red, and they buried them there on Lion Island. And, um, and they're there on the northwest uh, um, side of Lion Island. So what they did was several hundred years later, when Khufu died, they opened up his tomb, and that's where they built the temple. So, Sheset is, when we talk of her, we say this that, you know, uh, Sheset of the Sycamore Forest alongside Osiris. And that's how you say it, because she is her castle is al- alongside Osiris. So, she becomes the Scorpion King's daughter in Egyptology. And uh, the Scorpion King, you know, is a bit of a mystery in himself, but it's thought to be Osiris, rightly so, it is. It was the medicine that was used to resurrect him in the first place. So as she now becomes a Scorpion King's daughter, and we see her with a scorpion above her head, it's relative to that event, you know. Mm. And uh, oh. and uh, so they call chassette as uh, the consort of a, of a, of Osiris, you know. So uh, but she's not.
2: So did um, so the survivors of the the shipwreck were they ever picked yeah. up again, or did they they lived here? They lived their life out here.
3: No, they fixed the two ships and took them home. The great Khufu ship that we see there today and the other one that's alongside it um, that now the Japanese have and they're doing their very best free of charge to restore it. Uh, those two ships are the two ships that were here. Uh, oh. It has the name of the ship between the walls Bambara and it's the same name as the Khufu ship. Uh, those ships had a, a unique prow,
5: mm. So
3: you could tell whose ship was whose, you know, mm. and Khufu's was never more unique. So her unique curved and inverted prowl is exactly the way it's drawn there with its correct name there between the walls of Bambara.
4: And so is there any Greek... other story in the, in, in the West West Papyrus?
3: All in there, yes. Yeah. Yep. Really? Well, well up until they leave, you know, of course, the West Papyrus cuts off as they're about to leave Egypt. Uh, but right. it's told in Egypt, yeah. It's told on the Isis Temple. Um not just the ISIS temple. They they told this story thousands of times. Just nobody realised what it was they were talking about. Who would have guessed yeah, right. that they were talking about Australia? You know. So what I'm telling you now is is written in text in many places all throughout Egypt. They uh, they went to great effort so that we in our time would not forget. You know. Uh, unfortunately, that they, they dumbed it down as 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 dumb as they could get it into pictures. You know, and uh, and still. They overestimated our ability of modern man to perceive ordinary, plain common sense. Yeah, so far, common common sense.
2: Common sense is not that common, mate. That that's the problem, and we find that quite often, don't we, mate? So, so
3: yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's Uh, that's exactly what they feared, and that's exactly why they were building that solution. mm. So, so Dijed4, he was one hell of a man, you know. So once again, that's Dijed4 Tempest Menkori, The Mencari Pyramid is one of the three there in Giza. So why we don't know anything of him, it comes to Petrie again, that bloody Petrie. So what he did with Tamphus was this, that when in Petrie's day, they were sponsored by the Vatican greatly. (laughs) And the Vatican's goal was to find a place uh, deeper in antiquity for their faith, to give it more credibility, you know. And uh, so they believed that they were going to find Moses there in, in about Giza. And uh, so what they did was uh, uh, Petrie was looking for for Moses, you know. So they they somehow, I don't know where they got the idea, but they came up with the idea that Thutmose IV uh, was the most likely candidate. Now, Thutmose is spelt very much like Tamp first. It's, Unless you know what you're doing, you wouldn't know the difference. Petrie didn't know what he was doing. Keep in mind, this is 1900, really early in the day of Egyptology. You know, Egyptology wasn't even 100 years old yet. You know, mm. not even 50. Years, no, that's know? right. Yeah, and and learning was very little. And uh, and uh, what a great example he was of that. So anyway, so what he did was all the things done by Tampas there in Giza and anywhere else where he built, and he was built. He built all over the place. Uh, he attested those things to the IV in that thing of trying to ram down that, you know, this mm-hmm. is going to be Moses, you know. Of- so, again, the Egyptology all around kicked up a stink, you know. They were already uh, you know, suspicious of uh, Petrie from the Khufu statue as it was, you know, mm-hmm. breaking all the rules.
5: Mm-hmm. And
3: now here he is, you know, taking Tampas and attesting him as Tutmosis. So if we went Wikipedia into Giza today, you know, what you see in there is stories of, uh, you know, 26th dynasty doing this and doing that and so on, you know, all about Giza. and uh, But they weren't, you know. Uh, when you read it correctly and you apply them names to the known sign list, it's Tamphus that we're talking about. It was never Tartmosis at all, you know. And uh, and Tamphus, you can't argue with him. He's pyramid's right there, right in front of you, you know, right, right behind the Sphinx, you know. Mm-hmm. The Khufu, the Khafre, and the Menkuri, you know. For so that guy, what's, what's really remarkable about him is, uh, you know, he's mentioned there in Giza being there at the build of the pyramids. So that was found in undisturbed um, uh, master bars as they were digging them up for the very first time. And in there was found the text to say that Menkori was there on the day inspecting those works going on. Mm. So Those texts are one of the tools that we use to date the build of Giza. Just one, carbon dating and many other things, paleo, astronomy, all those things, uh, other tools. One of the tools is that Menkuri Tamphus is mentioned there as actually being there on the date. And uh, so that's how big he is. Now, when we look at it, that's the guy that wrote the text at Bambara. That's for Tamphus Menkuri. So he's with Khufu, and he's the one that saved her soul did all that magic to make her into Chasset so she could live eternally on earth. And uh, so that was him. That was a builder of Giza was there in Carriong standing where you can stand today if you go stand there. That's remarkable, isn't
4: it? You know?
2: Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Well, Marcus, uh, anything else, mate? Yeah, where, where did you want to go from there?
4: Well, that's really good. That's um, some great information there. You asked a little bit, Marcus, about... Um, uh, other
3: interpretations of what the glyph says. Can I clear that up for you? Um,
4: it doesn't matter too much. It's pretty easy. all I'm interested in <laughs> is, in this, I'm just interested in your interpretation. it's. Uh, mm. uh,
3: it's a good explanation. It's pretty, quite yeah. easy. Huh? Yeah.
4: Yeah. Well, boys, you know, listen, the, that, 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 this has been a very
2: excellent conversation. Uh, it's been
3: good.
2: I, think, um, I think, look, there's always more to talk about. Um, there's always more more places to go. But we might yeah. we might wrap it up there for tonight. And look, True, I think I think um, this is a this is a conversation that will continue another time. There's more things yeah. to do. There's more things to share. Uh, there's more exploration to be done. Um, I wish you all the best, Colin, on your on mm-hmm. your trip to to go yeah. up and be yeah. with those tribes. And look, you know. Yeah. Understand that you know unlocking the code and all the boys behind here and all the you know the the people behind the podcast are completely behind the work that you do with those tribes and we support them as well. I think that's very important stuff. Well,
3: you know what? While, while I'm standing there, I'll tell them just that. I'll put yeah. that into the circle. Yeah, I'll I appreciate take that, with me. Thank you. I will.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh,
2: it's it's honest, man. Like you know, we're seeing and look, the the Southern United tribes. I know we've spoken off off the mics about that, Colin and. Hopefully, mm. you know, doing some work with those guys again, and it, it, it'll be really cool. And yeah, we we our love and respect and support, and that those guys have been able to do that, mate. So um, yeah. that's excellent. Awesome. Marcus, have you got anything else, mate?
4: Um, no, that was really good. Mm. Right, thanks uh, for your time and your interest, yeah.
3: Marcus. I really appreciate you taking this time out. To listen yeah, no, to I'm in the
4: east coast things. now. I'm on, I'm in the west coast now, but I'll be over on the east. Coast, mm-hmm. or, or just before spring, right. Mm. And we'll be doing a bit of filming. Filming? Yeah, you like to film? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll
2: talk. Yeah, we, we, we've got a bit of a project, Colin, that I did want to have a bit of a chat to you about, mate. So, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, we'll join the dots with that off mic. Uh, we don't want to give too yeah. much away, Marcus. We don't want to give too much away, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so, sure, yeah, man. look, awesome guys. Thank you very much. Thanks very much for your time. And uh, we'll talk again soon. All right. See
3: you then, guys. Thank you, gentlemen. Good on you
2: guys. Cheers.